Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It's 308 here at the station, 85 degrees, and it doesn't look like the air is too good for us outside today. I think Pennsylvania as a whole is on an orange alert, which is pretty much unhealthy air. But I'm um, looking at the map, the the, the current airnow.gov. Um, and there's a lot of really bad trickling into our area where it's in the red. Some places in Scranton. Um, let's see here. Uh, Albrightsville in Pennsylvania is considered unhealthy at 153. Um Montrose is considered unhealthy at 152. Uh, if you go to some places in uh, Jessup, it is at 152 again unhealthy. And then if uh, you, you move right beside it, it it's uh, let's see what they got there. Uh, Wilkesbury, you're in the orange for unhealthy for sensitive groups. It looks like the majority of the red, the the really bad air, is out in uh, southwestern PA near Pittsburgh. And then there's they're starting to get some red trickling in up by us, like I said, uh, Montrose, Scranton, uh, Williamsport, Hazleton is starting to show some red uh, signs, which means it's getting above that 150 mark. And uh, it's not healthy to be outside. It's not just people who are sensitive or anything like that. And, and if you've been outside, you can see that haze. It's almost like that off-colored tinge, like that yellowish tinge to the air where you can tell it looks like smoke. I didn't particularly smell anything, but again, my sinuses, my sense of smell is pretty much shot since COVID. So, uh, you know, if it's if it's intense, I get it. But other than that, I really don't have the best nose to go by that. So, if you're if you're getting any sort of chemical smells or anything like that, let us know. A um, lot a lot of stuff also going on now. And again, how was your weekend? What did you guys do this weekend? I was up in Saratoga Springs, had a great weekend with friends, great friends. Uh, my wife was down in Virginia Beach visiting my son and his wife. Uh, you know, the neighborhood they're going to live in was spent some time on the beach, a lot of eating out, a lot of getting into her orange crushes. And if you don't know what an orange crush is, uh, you got to go down to Maryland or the Virginia area to find out. They are pretty much her kryptonite. I love them. They're, they're a great summer drink. Um, and again, if you don't know what they are, they, they are the drink of choice down there in the Maryland shore. Uh, the Annapolis, Maryland area, the Virginia area. So, uh, you know, anytime she goes down there, especially in the summer, she likes to get her orange crush on. And then they make the different variations of it, the creamsicles, which is a little whipped vodka with the orange vodka with everything else that goes in. It kind of tastes just like a creamsicle, and they're dangerous. They sneak up on you. But I was up in uh, Saratoga Springs. It was the opening weekend for the race weekend at the Saratoga racetrack. Uh, Drove by it. It was absolutely packed. And then everything that goes along, all the pomp and circumstance of Saratoga Springs, the racetrack. Uh, if you've never been up there, it's a great, it's crowded, don't get me wrong, but when you walk in Saratoga Springs, the racetrack, when you walk around town, you're almost automatically brought back in time. You know, from the music that's being played and the way the the people dress up and, you know, just the events that's there. And it, it's a whole family event. I mean, people think of the racetrack as just your your gamblers sitting around, but they they line up at like 5, 6 in the morning to get their picnic tables to set up. You can bring in your coolers with your own drinks and everything like that, but it's it's a really uh, good event. We were watching it live on TV in the air conditioning rather than out in the 90-degree weather. There were a couple storms came through, but nothing major. They were getting the races in just fine. 
But, uh, you know, it was pretty much sit by the pool, get a couple good steaks, grill them on a new Traeger grill, and do what should be being done on the weekend. I uh, got into some a uh, whole bunch of different kinds of bourbons. Uh, me and my buddy Ken are uh, self-proclaimed bourbon connoisseurs, I would say. And, uh, you know, every time I go up there, I bring him a bottle of something different. Every time he comes down, he brings a bottle. So he's got a nice collection up there. And while I was up there, I got a couple of bottles for things that I like. I got a bottle of the Horse, Horse Soldiers bourbon. And I got a bottle of Angel's Envy bourbon for my collection just to top it back off. I've I've had both of them. I love both of them. But it was time for new bottles. And the New York, Angel's Envy in New York was almost half the price as it is here, if you get it. So it was a no-brainer of picking up that bottle. But I uh, got into some old fashions, as gentlemen should, up there on a nice summer day. And uh, it was a good day. It was a good, I was only up there, I left early, I left here about 7 o'clock Saturday morning, got up there about 10, it was a three-hour drive, and it was nice because all the horse farms are around Saratoga Springs, so as you're driving, you know, the horses that are these multi-million dollar stud horses that have this following, and they had their tent set up and big billboards on their farms, like home of this thoroughbred horse home of that thoroughbred horse. And because it was opening weekend, there was a lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of visitors from all over the, the country, if not the world, up there and celebrate the, these these animals that are just tremendous in, in what they do. And it's amazing the following they have. It's amazing the infrastructure that's built around these horses. I mean, you see these horse trailers being trailered around with full-blown air conditioning units, not like the trailers we see around here in northeast Pennsylvania where you get the horse face uh, sticking out through the grill and the window and the back open and just the air of the driving is what cools them down. These things are climate-controlled, air-conditioned, luxury horse transporters, without a doubt. And uh, and as they should be. They, they've made their owners that amount of money, and they they make those. They, they, in turn, treat them with that respect. But the horses that are that are put out afterwards after their racing days are over if they've had a successful history you know they have these whole farms this whole infrastructure around them just to stud these horses out and people bring their mares from all around the country to uh to mate with these horses to get that bloodline in there and it's just incredible uh the area up there it's beautiful it's very similar to here in northeast pennsylvania as far as the rural and and uh country atmosphere farms and everything like that but it was a good time. Like I said, a couple storms came through, but nothing uh, to really uh, damage the weekend. We were able to get in the pool. We were able to barbecue. We sat outside by the fire, you know, and it was hot. And you know, once the bugs got a little bit too much, we came inside in the air conditioning and uh, got our bourbon on. And then, and that we did. And you know, woke up Sunday, had a good breakfast, and came home. Uh, Lisa is coming home as we speak from uh, Virginia Beach. She left this morning. Hopefully it does not take her the 10 hours it took her to get down there. It should should take about seven hours. So I think she was due home around 4 o'clock pending any uh, traffic or anything like that. So hopefully uh, she gets back home safe and uh, no issues there. But mainly not sitting in hours worth of traffic because then when I get home from this show, I'll have to deal with that. Um, you know, speaking about traveling and transportation in Pennsylvania, we saw it, it happened again. This uh, hazardous material train derailment in southern Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, that um, that seems to be a normal occurrence now, and there's really no push to, to understand why. I mean, if you saw the pictures of this train derailment, first thing this morning they evacuated these homes around there because there were 
there were uh, cars on this train. It was a 40-car CSX Norfolk Southern freight train derailed Montgomery County just before 5 a.m. So they started, uh, they knew there was hazardous material in court. I think uh, it says between 15 and 20 of the derailed cars were carrying hazardous material, prompting a level 2 hazmat response. They did evacuate the areas for a while. Uh, first thing in the morning. So imagine living in there, you know, on a Monday, getting ready for work, getting ready for work or whatever your day is, not even up yet at 5 o'clock in the morning, some people. And you're getting woken up that you have to evacuate and leave everything behind because there's another hazardous train uh, derailment down there. Thankfully, it was uh, some kind of beads, uh, some kind of silicone beads that if they did catch fire, they would be hazardous, but them and themselves aren't really hazardous to the public through contact or through air. Or anything like that. And thankfully, there was no known injuries. But, you know, when we had these, the train derailment out in Ohio, Ohio border, just outside of Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, it's, this is, we are just a step away from that happening here, and it's been happening here. We just saw it. You know, if this was other hazardous material, more flammable, more liquid based, it's leaking into our creeks, it's getting into our water supply, it's causing a health hazard through burning or whatever happens with the train derailment. But if you look at the pictures, the train track literally looks like an S. It's liter- it's it's crushed and twisted, and that's the tracks themselves. So what's going on with the infrastructure of our railroads? We really have to start asking that question. And it looks like uh, Sunday's race just ended, Jake. Is that uh, what we got there? And who, and who, who uh, Who's doing the donuts here? Martin Truex Jr. There you go. Martin Truex Jr. One. Now, he was leading. You said he was leading a lot of this, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he absolutely annihilated the field today at New Hampshire. Not really much of a surprise. I mean, this is one of, I guess, half a dozen home tracks that Martin Truex Jr. has being from New Jersey. But he's led tons and tons of laps at New Hampshire and finally gets a cup win there today. I mean, just incredible, incredible performance. Yeah, and they were supposed to race up in New Hampshire on Sunday, but there was rain throughout the entire day, so they couldn't get that race in. Yeah, credit to NASCAR. They didn't wait too long yesterday. They postponed the race about 10.45 in the morning, and it, it's it's frustrating. It was beautiful there Saturday. It was beautiful there today. No threat of rain, but obviously the, the way Truex is running right now, this is his fourth win of the year. It's safe to say he's probably the favorite for this championship, and, you know, it was funny. We were just talking about William Byron last week, and, you know, now he might be the favorite. Now Truex might be the favorite, and I think he's going to be really, really strong next Sunday at Pocono. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how him and his team do at Pocono. Yeah. It's, it's always a little different dynamic. Um, yeah, but two, you know they they always love to race here. So Oh, yeah. Two wins there, 2015, 2018. And, and I mean, it, it's the amazing thing with Martin is he was, I'd probably say last year there was a lot of talk, a lot of speculation that he wanted to possibly retire. And here he is now. You know, they're being asked, are you going to come back in 2024 or are you not? And, you know, Martin said Saturday in New Hampshire, he said, next question. So take that for what it's worth. But, yeah, all in all, great, great weekend at uh, New Hampshire. Joey Logano was second. Kyle Larson third. Kevin Harvick in his final New Hampshire race in fourth. And my man, Brad Keselowski, comes home with a top five. So there you go. How old is Truex Jr.? Just turned forty three back in June. Okay, I was gonna say yeah. he looks he looks like an older guy uh, yeah. for the for racing, not not <laughs> yeah. older guy. I mean he's he's a lot younger than I am. But. He's been doing this since two thousand and six, being a NASCAR Cup Series racer. So well done to Martin.
It's always good to go out on yeah. top if that's what he chooses to do. I mean, hey, Kevin Harvick, like we talked about, he's getting set to retire. And with how good Martin is this year, if if he goes to Phoenix and wins this championship, I would honestly be like, I'm done. You, yeah. you, you don't really get that opportunity that much in sports, Rob. You really don't. I mean, Peyton Manning, John Elway, Jerome Bettis, Ray Lewis, there's not too many of them that have had that chance to go out as a champion. So, Yeah, and yeah. It, it's it's what, 90-something degrees in New Hampshire right now? Oh, yeah. These guys are mm-hmm. racing. I mean, th- there's people who just think you just drive around an oval on in these cars. It is literally brutal Dale in these cars. Dale Earnhardt Jr., said a number of years ago the coca-cola 600 it was their longest race of it's, it is their longest race of the year he weighed himself before the green flag and after the checkered flag that race alone four and a half hours in a car like that he lost almost 10 pounds wow just yeah. incredible yeah the, the the uh the environmental things they put them through for this race it's just not just sitting there driving a car believe me and uh, it's good to see him celebrating at the finish line there and you know, I just had to bring that to you because we have it on the big screen here in TV and uh, because the race didn't take place. And and we have Pocono this weekend, so we're going to be talking a lot about uh, oh, yeah. you know, NASCAR and the racing, I think. Both Jake and I will be there this weekend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get you some play-by-play, hopefully. Yeah, the rest of the top ten, Tyler Reddick, his boss, Denny Hamlin, his teammate, Bubba Wallace, Austin Dillon, and Chase Briscoe. That is your top ten today at New Hampshire. There you go. You heard it here first because the race just ended as we were ending this piece. It's 321 here at WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 325. It's time for Rob's Rundown on this Monday, July 17th, 2023. There are stories that are happening, headlines in the newspapers and the news. Uh, we probably won't get into them in depth, but they're happening in our atmosphere. We should be aware of them. East Mountain man, part of a team that built the new Mars rover. Part-time officer sues Throop Department for discrimination. The Blakely Recreation Complex could receive $1 million in upgrades. The body of a New Jersey man was discovered in the Delaware River after a drowning this weekend. The NEPA man captures a national chili pepper eating contest. Oof. PA prayers to PA prepares to spend 1.2 billion dollars on broadband. 6 of the 12 Luzerne County school districts have risen their taxes this year. Luzerne County children and youth attempting to regain the non-provisional status they're under right now. The NYPD names its new police commissioner today. A groundbreaking Alzheimer drug is showing great promise in studies. The country star suffers from heat stroke and walks off stage, canceling the rest of the concert. And the evidence is mounting in the Gilgo Beach serial killer case. And that's it for Rob's Rundown on this Monday, July 17th, 2023. So, uh, you know, just to touch on a couple stories in there, the NYPD naming a new police commissioner, NYPD Police Commissioner Edward Caban, a friend of mine. I posted a picture with me and him on the social media. It's one of the few police commissioners in New York that actually came up through the ranks of the NYPD. I worked with his dad. His dad was a first-grade detective transit police officer in the transit police. 
Um, great detective, great guy to work with. I was new to the department when I worked with him and uh, was a great mentor. And, and, and Ed Kavan, the new police commissioner, is just the same. He came up through the ranks. He's well-liked with the rank and file. He's respected. He knows the job. He knows the communities. He's also the first Hispanic and Puerto Rican um, police commissioner in the city, in New York City's history. So, you know, really great for him. Kudos for him. He was my front runner when it, when uh, Sewell stepped down from the position. He was the first deputy commissioner, and there was some words that it might be someone else in the department, uh, the chief of the department, the current chief of the department. But Ed Caban is really the right man for the right job at the right time. Uh, he understands what's going on. He understands the cops. They like him. He understands the community, and he will get things done. So congratulations to the new NYPD commissioner, Ed Caban. And uh, also the evidence mounting in the Gilgo Beach serial killer case. Now, I, fir- I moved out to Long Island when, this, when these ho- homicides just started. And, of course, it was a concern because my wife was out there. You know, we had my son. He was young. So, you know, it really wasn't about that because this, that guy, this guy was killing young women in their 20s. Um, and she was in her upper 20s, you know, at the time, if not 30, when we moved out there. But uh, they're really mounting evidence from uh, statements that were taken back then that, that one of the witnesses then said the, the murderer was driving a Chevy Avalanche. And it turns out that this suspect had a Chevy Avalanche at that time. You know, the DNA, the cell phone issues, they, they are really putting together a solid case for this guy. And the more they're finding out, the more they're coming to the conclusion that this guy is just an absolute monster for the things he did and what he did and how he lived a double life. His wife and kids are actually giving information that's helpful to the prosecution and to the investigation at the time. I mean, could you just imagine finding out your dad and a husband, you know, this this is what he, he is alleged to have been doing? I, you know, I couldn't even imagine what the family's going through. But the, the evidence there is really, really taking an uptick where they've tracked different phone use. He had burner phones, throwaway phones that you bought at the stores. You know, that, that really couldn't be traced back, but they were able to trace the use of them during each investigation, and, and then they were able to connect them now to him purchasing them. So uh, it's, a, it's a solid case that's being developed here, and like I said, these cases just never never just go cold. And if you remember Friday, this escaped uh, prisoner that they were looking for in Warren County, Pennsylvania— that escape from there. And I said, uh, you know, I talked to some of the resources that, that are some of the best in the business of tracking him down, be it the Pennsylvania State Police, the Game Commission, the Marshal Service, and the FBI. And I said, I, they are, they're moving in. They are tightening that noose. And my exact words, I'd be surprised if he's not in custody by the weekend. And sure enough, Saturday he was placed into custody. He, is in the, he was in the Warren County area still, just like they suspected. They were finding his camps they were tightening that perimeter strategically, you know, not rushing it so he couldn't slip through it. We knew, I knew that was happening, speaking to the resources that were on the ground involved with it. So, um, you know, we, uh, I, I knew it was just a matter of time. And uh, like I, I said to you guys on the show here on Friday, I, I'd be really surprised if he wasn't in custody. So that danger is now off the streets. People there can sleep better. And again, you know, put this guy into prison and not a prison he can climb gym equipment out at 1130 at night, make a 30-foot-long bed sheet rope and climb down. Put him in a place where he has a little more trouble or a little more solitary confinement to where he can think about uh, how he can't get out next time. 
It's 3.31 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 3.37. As you heard from the weather report there with Kurt Aaron, that um, you know we're dealing with this, this smoke from uh, Canada again, and we're going to be dealing with it until the, their winter snowfall starts. There is nothing that can that put, there's nothing that they can do. There's nothing anyone can do artificially to put the wildfires out. That's how widespread they are. That's how much land there is up there without any uh, infrastructure or, or people or citizenry. That's in danger, so they're just letting it burn. And the way it's been explained to me is is the positive side of this is the fuel will be taken down for the next five to ten years. So So it looks good for the future as far as fires like this, but in my lifetime, you know, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, from volcanoes, we've had some stuff. But for a day or two, just on the jet stream, how it brought it across. Some wildfires out west, you know, we had some smoke here every now and then, but nothing like this where it was just an almost everyday occurrence. I mean, it's there. If the winds are blowing in the right direction, we're going to get it. And it seems to be what's happening today. Um, Pennsylvania as a whole, I guess, is has an orange alert, but there are plenty of places in our listening area here in northeast Pennsylvania that uh, that's in the red. So just be careful out there. Take your Take note. You know, put those car filters on, recirculate. You know, if you have central air conditioning or something at home, close your windows, get that going. It's just not a, it's just not a healthy for for most people, anyone who has any kind of compromised respiratory system. I do. I'm not feeling this too much, but again, I didn't spend too much time outside today. Um, but I know people who have allergies, who suffer from allergies, and this is really doing a number on them this day in and day out, because even if it's down in the yellow, you know, it's still adding to what's normally out there. And we normally have a lot of pollen, a lot of dust, a lot of things here in Northeast Pennsylvania. It's haying season. You know, if you're near farm areas here in Pennsylvania, I know they were haying uh, this past week, a lot of the farms in my area, you know, and it causes a lot of issues. You know, my wife gets all aggravated with her allergies when she's around during hay season, when they start haying. And um, when the goldenrod comes out, it's the next thing that she gets affected for a little bit. You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phone. We have uh, Joe from Sawyersville on Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. Hi, Rob. Uh, Rob, Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville is blocking important uh, military assignments. Isn't this a disgrace to the nation? Is it is, Does he have the right to do that? He does. Apparently, as a senator, he does have a right. Yes, he's doing it, and I think it's disgraceful myself. What about yourself? Do you think it's right or wrong? I know he's holding up the the appointments for for to get concessions. If that's within his right as a senator, if that's if he's looking for something that he feels is in the best interest of his constituents, he's not doing anything wrong, right? He's not breaking any law. He's not no. well, doing anything underhand. He's not breaking any law, but it makes his party look very bad. So I think it's a very stupid thing to do. Well, maybe he's against some of the military appointees that they're putting in there. And, and actually, I like some of the appointees that are in there. So, yeah, um, I think whoever should be negotiating to get past this impasse should be doing what they need to do to come to a compromise, because that isn't what government's about, compromise. Yeah, but where's the Republicans to, to condemn this guy? Where's the damn users, the Mitch McConnell? This guy's a joke. Why? Because he's standing up for what he believes as a senator? No, because he's putting our military in jeopardy by black assignments. It's stupid. Well, the Republican Party and, is absolutely crazy. And both sides do that, Joe. They, they, they just almost went to a, the budget impasse over the debt ceiling. You know, that, well, was, that was both sides. It takes two to do that. Well, in my opinion, Tuberville is an absolute disgrace. The Republican Party is so screwed up, I don't know what they're even doing half the time.
okay, my advice is whatever, all the advice all, you, all the time you call, don't vote for them. I don't, that's right. And, uh, but you no, seem no, to be uh, infatuated with them so much and what they're doing. I, I, what I want to say is the, the Republican Party is so screwed up. They're, they're not going to win. They're a party of fanatics. They're absolute fanatics. These people are jokes. Because someone's using his ability as a senator to, to halt nominations based on the, the processes and the rules of the Senate? And putting past our nation in jeopardy, our military. And I support the military. I don't know about you. I support the military. What he's doing is bad for the military. Okay, I do one, not support one, that. One of, the, one of those nominations is the commandant of the Marine Corps. Right, that's correct. Okay, what is that? How does that put us in jeopardy right now? Is is there any job that the deputy commandant for the Marine Corps can't do that the commandant can? I'm not. I'm talking about in general. I'm saying. As a pure political matter, it makes the Republican Party look bad. They should condemn this guy. He's a joke. So you just don't like what he's doing, and that's the I base, don't, that's, that's, well, that's the basis of your story, because the, you're saying he's putting our country in jeopardy. There is nothing that the deputy commandant can't do that a commandant can do. There are other areas where he's blocking, not just this, other areas as well. So like I said, if you, anybody that loves the Republican Party, by all means, go for it. The party is an absolute joke. Okay. All right, Rob, go Thank on. Thank you. You heard it first. Joe from Sawyersville, breaking news. He's not going to vote Republican. It's uh, 342 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 346. Now, if you're not up to speed in what uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville is doing with the blockade of the promotions for the Pentagon, for our military, there's a total of 260-ish at this time military promotions and again that's people you know becoming the commandant of the marine corps there's one is the new superintendent of the naval academy the new superintendent of the the west point you know they're all in this lump with where, where they where they promote people you know usually in the rank of admiral or general uh the joint chiefs of staff and such like that the higher ranking elements of our military um after the supreme court made their decision to turn roe versus wade back to the states um, the Biden administration obviously was disgruntled about that decision. Democrats in general were disgruntled about that decision. So Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary under the Biden administration, created a new policy for abortion in the military that they could use official travel and time off to go to states to allow for the abortion. And there would be no interruption with abortion services for military members. And Tommy Tuberville wants that changed. And he's in the position as a senator to put this on hold. And he's standing his grounds on religious reasons on the abortion issue that Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, above his authority as Secretary of Defense, changed and modified the policy in retaliation for the Supreme Court decision. And he wants that policy voted on from the Senate. He wants a vote to put everyone on the record on how they stand as far as the military changing that policy. And these promotions can't happen because it's a senator's ability to do that. And that's how you get negotiation. That's how you get compromise. Uh, most of the time, especially with the military um, the military appointments, it's usually a verbal quick vote. Yes, they, they give the administration everyone they're looking for unless there's something outside of the ordinary. And there's no there's no pushback on who's who of these 260 have been chosen. It's not about any individual there. It's about the policy that the Secretary of Defense changed in regards to abortion. But if you want to talk 
about pushback and where the Republicans, like the last caller was just talking about, senators in both party, including Republican leader Mitch McConnell, have pushed back on Tuberville's blockade. But Tuberville has dug in. He says he won't drop at the holds unless majority Democrats allow a vote on the policy. Now, the Democrats control the House by one or two, uh, control the Senate by one or two votes. They are the majority. He wants to simply put everyone on record for this. You are going to give our military, through this policy, the ability to cross state lines, to travel on official travel means as our military members, just solely for the purpose of abortion. And he's, that's what he's drawing his red line in the sand for. So approve it or not, like it or not, it's his ability to do that. And that's what he's doing. And they either need to negotiate that or stand on that red line in the sand. It's time for the Bloomberg Money Minute here on the Rob O'Donnell Show. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM. It's 3.54, 84 degrees with that unhealthy haze. There's no other way to call it. The air's bad, uh, especially if you're sensitive out there. We're under an orange alert here. There are some areas in northeast Pennsylvania that's in the red, so be careful out there. Um, you know, as we were talking about a uh, senator holding up the uh, nominations and the approval of 260 members of our military into their next positions. And again, these are all senior leadership positions in the rank of admiral and above and general of all different levels, one-star, two-star, three-star, four-star, you know, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, who's who's very capable, a new Air Force uh, general, pilot, um, Looking forward to what he'll do as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a real established uh, career military man who knows what he's talking about and doing. So we'll see that. But there's a big difference between a senator that has his ability, per their rules, to hold this up for a reason. That's what checks and balances are for. That's how you get negotiation. That's how you get compromise. That's how you get them to move the ball one way or another. One person can do that here. We've seen it in other ways. We we saw with the... the um, the voting on the Speaker of the House on the Republican side. You had a handful. By handful, I mean five to ten representatives out of the entire House of Representatives that got what they wanted because they held strong and didn't vote for the Speaker of the House until their demands were met. This this is how things are done in Washington. We, we have lost our way as far as compromise, negotiations, sitting down, gentlemen and gentle ladies talking in such a matter to come to an agreement that's best for America. They just shout at each other from different sides of the rooms. Um, I mean, you have a president of the United States who goes on national TV and tells the world that we're low on ammunition, that America is low on ammunition, 155 mm artillery shells. So we're going to send these cluster bombs, you know, the same bombs that were the same administration just said were, were um, you know, acts of war crimes. But, you know, since we're out of our bullets, you know, we'll send these things because it's what we got on the shelf left. And, uh, you know, Russia has already equipped its soldiers with the same kind of cluster bombs and said that if we use them, they're going to use them. So, you know, was there anything gained there? And and it's not Ukraine used these cluster bombs. It's not the Ukrainian military did this, did that. It's going to be America did this. And we know how that works. So... I'm all for negotiation, and if he wants to draw his red line in the sand for his religious beliefs on what most people can probably agree was a sneak end around the Supreme Court decision for our military, 
using the platform he has as our Secretary of Defense to circumvent the uh, decision to bring it back to the states, then let him draw that line. He's allowed to. He's not doing anything to violate the rules or regulations, and uh, we'll see what happens there. Let's go to the phones again. We have uh, Joe from Edwardsville on Tommy Tuberville. Joe. Rod, how you doing, brother? I really appreciate you. Good. Um, Two quick throwaways. Uh, The first one is I knew you were going to take a uh, well-deserved victory lap on the the Burham uh, arrest because I was, that's what I thought when I heard it this weekend that they caught him. I was like, man, the guy that I listened to in the afternoons, he said this was going to happen by this weekend. So congratulations on you there. Uh, I forget what the other throwaway was, so let's skip that. Um, <laughs> but here's where I'm coming from. Um, this is something that's been a long time coming, and if we're backing into it, so be it. But this should have been done a long time ago. All of the departments in the United States, the Department of Energy, the EPA, the, the Department of Education, they set up these bureaus and, and different things and stuff. And then that way, when come election time, when somebody says to a guy looking for their vote, what's up with this? They can say, well, no, that was the department. The secretary did that. That was, you know, you know we can do that. No, those departments are supposed to be set up. They give their recommendations to the Congress of the United States, the people who are answerable to us, and then they go on record to say, yeah, no, I agree with this, or I don't. It's just ridiculous how, you you know, you know it, you were a cop, you could not pass aside, you know, and say, oh, no, there was nothing I could do, you know, this, this decision came from somewhere else. You answered for whatever you did, decisions you made. It was the same way for me when I was a nurse. This is, these people, they should not be able to outsource their responsibility. They should have to sign their name to it, Swear to it, answer for it. Sorry, I'm a little worked up. No, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be, right? We we elect these individuals to represent us, not the people that are yes. appointed to these other positions that, that we have no say in if they were hired or not. We hire the people that make that final decision, and that's what they're paid to do. Exactly. And it's just it has been too easy for far too long. And it seems like this, as I said, we're backing into it. It's coming up by accident. That, you know, Tuberville uh, figured out that, oh, yeah, no, hey, we can make people be responsible for a decision they made. That may come back and bite him in the rear end sometime, and we're I gonna, don't we're care. Gonna, we're going to have to leave it right there that you don't care, and I get it. Uh, we got to go to break, go, Joe. Brother. Great information from you. We'll be back.